Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. We're starting on Jonah. Um, how is everyone doing, by the way? You're all looking at me. Let's stand up. Come on, stand up. Let's give each other a stretch. <laughs> Those of you looking at me, I don't want to stand up. <coughs> Oh, stretch it out, come on oh, That's it Turn around, see if anyone needs to stretch You can help them if they need it <laughs> Okay So Jonah um, I've had a tradition since I've been here It's um, my fourth year now um, And every January We hit on a minor prophet Um We've done Micah, we've done Habakkuk. Um, I can't remember who I did first. I think it was Hosea. But um, and today uh, we're starting on Jonah. Um, before I get into Jonah, though, I want to start with this comment: Human beings are evil. From the day they are born, they are selfish, they're self-centered, and have the capacity to do immense evil. Um, I shared with you this one time, I had a, a friend of mine visiting me when we were in the States, and um, he was uh, uh, talking to an Indian couple, and the Indian couple was telling him, how can humanity be bad? How can sin be around? Look at this little baby. They had this beautiful little girl in their hands, and they said, how can she be evil? And, um, of course, they were getting a bit heated, and I walked into the middle of the discussion, and I thought, oh, my goodness, how do you explain this to this poor family? How did we even get to this point? Uh, so I thought, I brought out my keys, and I was kind of dangling in front of the girl, and the little girl was trying to grab them, and then she finally got them, and I took them away from her, and she wailed like there was no tomorrow. Wah! Just screaming. I thought... Well, there you go. Did you teach him this? And the parents were totally embarrassed. No, we didn't teach her that. Well, then how did she learn that? I don't know. I'm like, well, it must be ingrained. You know? And so we got into discussing how the natural tendency for humanity is quite evil. Um, for those of you who may drive a lot and you see a person in front of you in a car that's going too slow and is kind of cutting you off and wobbling around, you know, You've got to admit, there are times in which you get very angry at that person until when you finally overtake them and you see it's an elderly person driving and you feel really bad about getting angry at them, right? But then you think to yourself, they shouldn't be on the road anyway, right? As if we need to justify our anger. Um, a, a group back in the 60s decided to do a study to see the capacity of humanity, how far it could go, um, in, in doing bad things. And they had two rooms, and in one room they set up an actor, but the, the participants didn't know it was an actor, and they were closed off in one room. And in the other room, uh, the participants had to sit at a desk, and they had a man with a lab, uh, you know, a lab coat on with a, with a clipboard in front of him, and they were told that every 15 seconds they had to up the voltage and push the button, which would deliver an electric shock to the person in the other room. And they had to keep doing it until the guy in the lab coat told them to stop. So they had the clock there, and they sat down, and they started. Ten volts. And the guy next door, you could hear him, ooh, ah. And he kept going up and up. 
They got up to 300 volts without asking any questions. The man who was getting it, who was the actor really, was screaming, thumping the walls, asking him to stop. And then at a certain point, there was no noise at all. And 85% of the participants continued, even though there was no noise left, to keep delivering the shocks. It was called the Milgram experiment. Ten years later, some guys out of Harvard said, oh, that was just a flawed experiment. We've, we've grown as humans. You know, ten years later, that was the 60s. We're in the 70s now. We're, we're, we're much more humane. And they decided to do this, and they took it a step further. They used puppies, and they put the puppies right in front of the participants so they could see them. Eight out of ten puppies died from electric shocks before people would stop. The capacity of humanity is horrible. Talk about the Nazis less than a hundred years ago. The things that they did was, you know, people were shocked, but it didn't stop humanity. We continued, we progressed. The Khmer Rouge, anyone know about what happened in Cambodia? A lot of you young people like to wear the, the lovely uh, icon of uh, Che Guevara, right? You know who that is? There's an icon of a guy with a beard with long hair and a hat on. It, it, a lot of young people like to wear it. They don't realize how evil a man he was. And the things he did to nationalize Cuba and then in Bolivia and in his own hometown of, in Argentina. The capacity of humanity is awful. Stalin killed more people, apparently, than the Nazis even tried to. And you know what? Our attitude towards them is pretty... We don't like to hear these things, do we? It makes us angry, the injustice of it. Well, they say the worst empire in all of history, even worse than the Nazis, worse than even Stalin, was this nation called Assyria. They were so horrid, in fact, they had got it down to a science. They were the first to use psychological warfare. Warfare that people were so afraid of them that when they came to the town to, to, to besiege a city, they would open the gates immediately. They wouldn't even fight anymore. They were so afraid of them. They used to make the children wear chains and their father's decapitated heads around their necks. And they were not just that bad. They would write about it. They would put these things so they would tell the world what they did. That's how bad they were. That's the height of the Assyrian Empire. When as far as Egypt covered Babylon, they annihilated nations. The Hittites were a people group in central Turkey. They don't exist anymore, thanks to the Assyrians. A number of tribes of Israel don't exist anymore, thanks to the Assyrians. These guys were evil. Now, how long were the Nazis in power? Who knows how long they were in power? About 10, 12 years, right? And the impact they made on, on our history is incredible, isn't it? Just that short amount of time that they were in power. Guess how long the Assyrians were in power? Try three, four hundred 
years, 500 years? So imagine if the Nazis had lasted three to 400 years. The hatred of the people around them towards them was immense. It wasn't just one-offs. This was generational. And like the Nazis, they wrote everything down. This is not conjecture. This is their own reports. He's one of the uh, um, uh, obelisks that they found. And here is King Jehu, who was an Israeli king of the northern kingdom, coming to pay tribute to the Third. These guys were horrid. They were awful. You need to know this because there's one thing about our God that's incredible, and that is he cares about all people, no matter what they do. You need to understand this because some of us measure our, ourselves by what we do, but God cares about you regardless of what you think you've done. God cares about all people. Open up your Bibles. We're going to go to Jonah. And it's important that you know about the Assyrians so you understand why Jonah does what he does. But go to uh, Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to start from verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And that's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. He goes, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah, not thinking the destination was too crash hot, got up and went in the opposite direction. Opposite direction, that's the distance that he was going. Just to make sure you understand how far he went. Okay? But he got up, went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. He went down to the seacoast to the port of Joppa. Today, Joppa is known as Jaffa. It's part, or it's a suburb, the old town of Tel Aviv, just so you know where, where we're talking about. He found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping that by going away to the west, he could escape from the Lord. A prophet who thinks he can escape from the Lord. Let me say that again. A prophet who thinks he can escape from the Lord. Now, if he was any old Joe, okay. Look, dude, let me tell you, God is omnipresent and the whole thing. This is a prophet. This is a guy who talks to God. And he thinks he can get away from God. Tarshish was on the south coast of Spain. It would have cost him a small fortune to buy a ticket to go there. This is not like Jetstar and we'll fly up to Auckland at $19 one way. This would be more like flying British Airways first class to London. It's a lot of money he's spending. It's no small amount. He's taking off. You can see where Nineveh is. It's up here on the right. And that little town in the middle there is called Gath Hefer. That's where he's from. It's the northernmost point of northern Israel at the time. You know, Jonah knows about the Assyrians. It's not just he knows. His parents know about them. His grandparents would have known about them. His great-grandparents would have known about them. 
and they hated them. They did not like the Assyrians. Now, understand this. This is how bad it is for Jonah. Imagine you and God, out of the blue, speaks to you. But it's not 2014. It's 1941. And he's asking you to go to Berlin and preach judgment on the Nazis. What do you think is going to happen to you? Do you think you will die a sweet, loving death? They will rip you apart. And here Jonah gets this message from God. And there's two things that go through his mind. There is no way I'm going to go there. There is no way. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me dead. They're going to hang my head out on the gates there and they're just going to... These were people that would de-skin. How do you call it when they... Thank you. Whatever that word was. But they wouldn't do it just as a punishment. They would do it while they held feasts in the town, in the city. Can you imagine going to a banquet while they're stripping skin off a human being in front of you? That's how bad these people were. I want you to understand that these people were bad. You go online, type in the worst empires of history. They will be up there. It's usually a toss-up between them and the Nazis. They're all evil. Jonah doesn't want to go there. And you see later on, Jonah doesn't want to see them saved either. This is a prophet of God. This is a holy man. This is a man that... that, uh, that, that goes around the nation of Israel sharing about the word of God. And he's on the first flight out of there. As Christians, we need to understand that God cares about all people, regardless of what they do. I've noticed some of us, when we react to things, you know, we, we read about... You know, by, by the way, we, we, we talk about how bad the Assyrians were or the Nazis were. We're not much better today. Just want to make that really clear. Today, as human beings, we're not that much better. There was a report in the paper uh, about two weeks ago. A woman in China gave birth to a daughter. One hour after they gave, she gave birth, she was holding the daughter in her hand. She got up, she walked out to the window and threw the baby out. We're not much better today. And the BBC did a, a report in 2004 where they got a woman and they dressed her up, they put her on the side of the road with blood and everything, or just pretend, but people didn't know that. It took 80 minutes before the first person actually stopped to help her. In the meantime, traffic drove by, people walked by, in the middle of London. Today we're not much better. But God cares about all people, regardless of what they do. Regardless of what they do. He assigned a task to Jonah, and he failed miserably. He went completely in the other direction. He hopped on a boat, and he took off. It gets more interesting, actually. Um, 
it gets a lot more interesting. Um, God's preaching schedule was not up to par for Jonah, but maybe, maybe the weather might help him out a bit. So reading on, God can use anyone to set us straight. Not only does he care about all people, but God can use anyone to set you straight. I've had people, and, and not in here, in the past, who have told me, there's no way so-and-so can tell me that because they don't come from the right place or they're not worthy enough or whatever it might be. But God can actually use anyone to set us straight, and that's what he does with Jonah. So continuing on with Jonah from verse 4, he says this, but as the ship was sailing along, now they're in the middle of the Mediterranean going towards Tarshish, Suddenly the Lord flung a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. It was a good chance that these sailors were Phoenician. Um, Jaffa at the time was a seaport uh, for centuries before the Phoenicians were in that area. The Assyrians actually came down and took over it for a little while. It was a major seaport, and the best seafarers were generally the Phoenicians. Uh, so it's a good chance that these guys were heathens as such. So they're shouting out to their gods, and all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Hugh, you do a lot of uh, boating. When there's a major storm, are you usually down in the hull of the boat sleeping? Can you, can you actually sleep in the bottom of a hull while there's a big storm going on? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I shared you about that flight of mine coming out from Mumbai to Bangkok where the flight had taken off and we hit an air pocket and the plane just went chunk and everyone was screaming and there was turbulence. If someone was sleeping on that plane, they must have either been drunk or dead. There was no way they could have been sleeping on that plane. And you've got to think, what is Jonah doing? Why is he sleeping? I'll tell you why. Because he knows nothing can happen to him. There's a little bit, a little bit of Jonah knowing what God wants him to do and most probably thinking to himself, yeah, God's not going to do anything to him. He wants me to go to... Nineveh. But I'm going to hold out. In fact, I'm ignoring you, God. I'm going to sleep. And for us as Christians, sometimes the whole world is on fire and we're blithely living our lives, ignoring the four alarm fire that's going on around us. We should be the most powerful force in the world on our knees praying for people out there using our hands and our feet. And most of the times we're at home, chilling out, hanging out together, thinking, hey, life's good, while our neighbours are falling apart, while our cities are falling apart, while our nations are falling apart. Sometimes we can be just like Jonah, just sleeping on the bottom of the hull there, while all hell is breaking loose for these people. So going on, the guys get all freaked out. The captain went down after him. He said, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll have mercy on us and spare our lives. Doesn't sound like it does anything to Jonah. The crew, instead, they start casting lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, Jonah lost the toss. 
I love that. Who says God can't speak through lots? Didn't they prove, a, 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 prove a, an apostle through lots? Here they are, they're going through it and it ends up being Jonah. You lost it, buddy. You're in trouble. So they turn to him, they say, What have you done to bring this awful storm down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And then he told them that he was running away from the Lord. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. They know better. Why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, all the time they asked him, what should you do? What should we do to, to you to stop this storm? And throw me into, sea, into the sea, Jonah said, and it will be calm again, for I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. God could have spoken. He could have yelled from the heavens, Jonah! Or he could have told the captain, Hey, captain! But he chose to use the sailors to wake Jonah up. The storm obviously didn't. So interesting in your own lives is who are the people that maybe you've ignored, that have tapped you, that God may be speaking through to you? Who are the people? They could be anyone. Because God could use anyone. He can use anyone. Be open with wide ears to hearing the Lord your God. Because he wants to speak to you, he'll use anyone and anything. In Jonah's case, he gives up. Yeah, it's me. Okay, I lost the toss. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, it's me, guys. Just throw him in the water. Now, there's a good chance that Jonah doesn't actually know how to swim. So it's a death sentence. I'm going to throw you in the water. It's the only way you guys are going to survive. I thought God would get me out of this. I thought if I could ignore him long enough. God can use anyone. Anyone. Going on. God can work even through our failures. Going on in Jonah chapter 1, instead the sailors tried even harder to row the boat ashore, but the stormy sea was too violent for them. You know, they knew that throwing him into the ocean would kill him. So they even tried the best they could not to have to throw him in. These guys are acting a whole lot better than Jonah should be. These guys are doing what they can to save him. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death because it isn't our fault. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So this is not part of the plan, is it? 
I mean, a whole boat, boatload of people come to know the Lord through the failures of one man, a man who was trying to run away from God, not wanting to do something that most probably would have taken his life, but in the end now, his own life is really at risk. This wasn't part of the plan. But was it? Was it part of the plan? I don't know. But I have a suspicion that God has a way of working with us that is always a journey. It's never straightforward. It takes us from one place to another, and in that space we may discover our failures, we may discover our lives are threatened, we may discover that everything's crashing down upon us, but yet, in the midst of that, God is still doing his work. And through Jonah's failure of not listening to God, a whole boatload of people come to know him. That's pretty intense. Failure is a huge thing for us. When we get it wrong, and we get it wrong bad, who handles that well? Anybody here handle that well? Come on, let's be honest. Hands up that you handle this really well. Either nobody does or you don't have the guts to put your hands up. I'm not putting my hand up. The <laughs> uh, first, time, first time I was a, uh, elected as an elder in a church, um, it was a struggling little church, um, but we were doing some good things, and there was one elder in particular that had graded me for a long time. He was just really stubborn. He was really opposed to a lot of the things that we're trying to do in the church, and it was just driving me crazy. So I remember the first meeting we had, first elders meeting, we were talking about some things, and of course he spoke up and said something contrary to what we were trying to do, and I just gave it to him. Boy, did I give it to him. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you guys, it felt so good. Oh, man, I just went straight into him. And the poor guy looked back at me. And I'm not kidding you. He had tears in his eyes. And his response was, I didn't think you felt that way. I'm so sorry. And of course, you know how I felt, right? Yeah, about that big. You know, at that point I knew how it felt to lose weight. (laughs) I felt awful. I was so bad. This guy had thought that he was doing what he could to help. And even though he was going about it the wrong way, and even though I might have been justified in my anger and frustration, I had failed in the way I communicated to him. I'm still doing that today. There are many of you in this room that still are doing that today. You know those errors that you make that you keep thinking, why do I keep doing this? Didn't I learn the first hundred times? And we think of ourselves as failures, and yet we don't realize that no matter what, God is still working through us and around us and in us. And through those failures, in fact, miracles can happen. The reason why people divorce today is because most of the times they feel that their relationship is a failure. And not realizing that those failures can actually be things that strengthen 
a relationship. Do you know that? I tell people time and time again, people think that marriage is like two spoons, one on top of the other, a perfect match. But you rattle those spoons up, what happens to them? They fall apart. There's nothing holding them together. Instead, get two forks and bring them together. And anyone brought two forks together, don't you hate it sometimes in the the dishwasher, they get stuck? And you can't pull the silly things apart. Because you brought them so close, you know, and then it hurts, it grates. But then you can't pull it apart. When the Bible says iron sharpens iron, sparks are going to fly. And if you're not prepared to have the sparks flying, don't prepare to be sharpened. Our failures, our failures are usually the best times in which the Lord works. So don't knock yourself down. At least you didn't spend three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. That's when you know you really are a failure. (laughs) Okay? We've got it easy. We've got it easy. Poor old Jonah. He's a prophet. In fact, Jonah is so well known, he's the only one of the minor prophets ever spoken about in the Quran. And they hold him in high esteem. He's a prophet that even the Jews hold in high esteem. But when you read this book, you think he's a failure. What has he done? In fact, next week we'll talk a bit more. But there's one thing we learn in this first chapter of Jonah is that you have choices to make in your life. And those choices are either to follow God, whether it means life or death, or go against God, which will certainly mean death. Jonah, trying to spare his life and running away from God, ends up thrown in the water and facing death. Thinks of himself as a failure. Thinks of himself as who knows what. You have a lot of time to think when you're in the belly of a fish. I'm pretty sure there's no TV in there. Maybe radio, I don't know. Depends on the fish. You know, you've got a lot of time to think, and I can only imagine what he had to think about. He had a lot of things to think about. And for some of you this morning, your failures are making you think quite a bit. And even though you may not physically be in the belly of a fish, you might emotionally feel like you're there. God is using you. He is working through you. And though you can't see it, Jonah didn't know about those people on the boat. He was already in the water. He didn't know that that whole boat had given his life to the Lord. That he saved a whole shipload of people. He didn't know that. All he knows is he's failed God. So as we go out today, be challenged by the fact that God cares about all people. Don't judge, but just understand that God cares about all people. God can use anyone, anyone to set us straight, and he works even through our failures.
In fact, that's when he works the most, and that's when he works the best. Amen? Ask our worship team to come up. Um, For those of you who want to get uh, deeper into a study in Jonah, um, I've got, every week I'll come out with a um, little study guide um, that you might want to take with you. They're on the back wall on that uh, burgundy wall at the back here on the other side. You'll see them hung up there, but every week I'll come out with a study guide. If you just want to take that and get a bit deeper, ask yourself some serious questions about where you're at with the Lord through Jonah. Um, You're more than welcome to take it. If they run out there, let me know and I'll print out another copy for you. I'll have them online also this week at some point. Don't go away from today not being challenged by not only how much God loves people, but how much God loves you, regardless of what you think you've done or what you have done. And don't wallow in your failures because that's where God will work the most. You can't see what's going on around you. Let me tell you, he is there and that he loves you. Let's stand and worship him.